0: Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Hey, we are starting a brand new uh, series today. Um, It's called Open the Door and Let Them In. Some of you may uh, know that from a line of a popular song back in the 70s, but um, I know there's one or two of you who were not around at that time. Uh, so so I, I'll give you the back end scoop here in a minute. If you were a fly on the inside of my car, you'd be smashed. No, I'm sorry. If you were a fly on the inside of my car, you'd know that I listen to um, Sirius XM, subscribe to Sirius XM Radio. And of all the channels, the one that uh, plays the most would be 70s on 7. 70 songs on Channel 7. So um, uh, I run into this song a lot, but I thought earlier in the years we were getting to think about things we were putting in place for uh, later this year. Um, The song just rang in my head. And uh, it's a 1976 song, uh, Let Them In, from which this line comes from, by uh, Paul McCartney and Wings. And uh, it actually reached uh, the charts number three in UK, US, and Canada. And very simple lyrics actually, they just repeat a long time. It's amazing uh, how long you can stretch out things to end up being seven minutes long, but um, uh, they did it successfully. And it's, you still run into it quite a bit today. But in the song, uh, Paul uh, lists a number of people who uh, he knows. And they apparently are outside of his his house, is, is what you get the impression. They're either knocking the door or ringing the bell. And his response is, open the door and let them in. And so um, for some of you who have wondered this, and I'm sure if you're uh, 30 or younger, this has just, uh, just uh, really conflicted you, wanting to know the behind the scenes of uh, a 1976 song. But anyway. Um, uh, The people that are mentioned in the song include McCartney's paternal Aunt Jen, his brother Michael, Linda McCartney's brother John, Phil and Don of the Everly Brothers, uh, Martin Luther, which is not the Martin Luther you might think of, but it was a a name for John Lennon, whom the group referred to inside themselves as the philosopher. And uh, then there was also an Uncle Ernie, and that was a character that Ringo Starr played in the London symphony's rendition of the rock opera tommy so but about the song itself, and maybe some of you have this playing in your head um, you know i i wanted I wanted us to, to play it, and I was told we don't have the copyright to it so and that the copyright is expensive so um so I called Paul, and uh, he didn't answer my phone call. I left a message. He hasn't called back. My phone is on me just in case. But anyway, so this is what Paul said about, about the song itself. He said, it's, it, it sort of said, let's have a party. Why keep them outside? So enlisting the kind of people who might be outside the door, I just naturally went to. Annie Jen, Brother Michael, they all exist Paul and Don of the Everlies, I just wanted a parade of people that we could imagine outside the door, so I drew on the people I knew. That's, that's um, not a bad picture at all of us as the church looking to bring people to Jesus. You may know that John, uh, the Gospel of John says that there is a party in heaven when one person is brought into the kingdom of God. And that was uh, kind of uh, depicted here in the video, the bumper video before the message. And so we're going to be looking at. Uh, I've subtitled the, uh, the series "Open the Door and Let Them In," making it easy for people to find Jesus uh, at Life Church. All right. And so the question is: uh, How are we doing at that? How might we do better? Uh, why does any of this matter? And so. Um, The first thing we have to understand is that we are actually in the business of sharing the gospel with people, the good news about Jesus. But we're kind of fuzzy, most of us, I think, on what is the gospel. And what does that exactly mean? What implications might that have for us, even if we've been around here for quite a while, if we were to more... um, clearly define what the gospel is. So, let's head to 1 Corinthians. And if you have your Bible, you might, 1 Corinthians 15, you might even open up that, it's going to be here, but you might mark this because of all the passages in the scriptures that talk about salvation, talk about Jesus, uh, talk about the gospel, this passage, perhaps, is the clearest and most succinct, all in one location of what the gospel exactly is. And lots of passages that talk about the gospel, but this one is so clear, so total in in uh, uh, breath, it says this: Paul writing now, brothers and sisters at the church i don't I, at the church i don't want in corinth there I, I don't want you to be confused. I want to remind you of the gospel. I preach to you which you received and on which you have." Taken your stand. That's an important phrase. By this gospel, you are saved from something. If you hold firmly to the word, I preach to you. Let's stay right there for a moment. Couple things. Twice is the word gospel used. And uh Gospel, evangelion the, in the Greek, uh, translated uh, good news. Evangel, evangel good news, evangelism, uh, would be sharing the good news. Evangelical, uh, a term that is uh, not in high regard these days, would be, a, would be rightfully a person who shares the good news. The good news as defined in the Bible but unfortunately, an evangelical, or even a Christian for that matter, these terms have gotten blurred in society today, in the general society. And so uh, they've been associated with political movements or, or some kinds of stuff like that. But, but truly, a Christian is an evangelical in the sense that they should be sharing, we should be sharing the good news, the evangel, the gospel, which means good news, all right? So then we go on. For what I receive, says Paul, I pass on to you as of utmost, first, highest, importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Scriptures. And he appeared to numerous people of which Paul says, I was one of those. And so so, so the issue is summed up in this. Uh, there's a, the gospel message is that Jesus died for our sins. He rose again. And he was buried and rose again. So that's essentially it. Um, if you wanted the definition of the gospel very succinctly, uh, that's... Um, that covers everything in my opinion it would be this the good news the gospel is the good news that Jesus is God's provision to save us from sin and the question is going to have to be why do we need to save from sin but to save us from sin and give us eternal life life forever after we depart this world all which we cannot do on our own not one thing can we do about those things We need those things, we can't do anything about them. That's the good news, that there is a provision, all right? The provision is in Jesus. All right, I have something to share that may rattle some, and I understand that. Stay with me. I, Wayne Hefner, have been saved from my sins, and when I die, I'm going to live forever with God in heaven. Many of you sitting here, have been saved by your, from your sins, and when you die, will live forever with God in heaven. Some of you sitting here hearing this, whether in another campus, Wilton, Cedar Rapids, Washington Online, you believe you are saved from your sins and will live forever when you die, but you won't. Not yet. You go, Wayne, how can you say something so mean? I mean, Jesus loves everybody. I came to this church because I, the, the atmosphere was wonderful and, and people were nice and, 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 and all of that. I can't believe you would say so, something so exclusive and narrow-minded and mean I have some news for you not everyone in the world is going to go to heaven when they die not everyone you know is going to go to heaven when you die not everyone you love is going to go to heaven when they die Wonderful. Just what I came to hear, Wayne. Bad news. If we assume it's even real news. Here is the bad news, though. The bad news, as scripture describes it, is every person in the world has sinned and falls short, miss completely the highest standard of God, the glory of God. Now, sin rightfully means to miss the mark, um, which sounds kind of innocuous, really, unless you put, put this in a, in a right picture. If you look at a target with all the rings and then the bullseye, if you, the bullseye is the mark. If you hit one of the rings... Generally, we all say, "Oh, well, that's close. Nice. Good job." Well, you missed the mark. You missed the mark in the gospel message. When we sin, we miss God's highest standards. If you missed just outside, you missed. If you missed on the outer ring, you missed. If you missed the target completely, you missed. So there's a standard, the standard we all have fallen short of. Now, most of us think of sin uh, in the world today. Maybe you're different because you've learned and you know better. But just as you know, eh, sin's such a nasty word, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I make some mistakes in my life. Yeah, I get mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cuss out so and so. Yes, I was unfaithful to my wife. That was a bad mistake. I think some really bad things about people sometimes. And we all just like to think of ourselves as mistakers. But we're sinners, says the scripture. So the scripture says in Isaiah, our righteousness, the best we can possibly do in being pure, acceptable to God, is in comparison, it's like filthy rags as far as God's concerned. So there are all kinds of ways to explain this, and, and I know the Old Testament uh, origination of this, but uh, let, let's say... You have a shop, your garage, uh, you're a male, generally, that's who who does this. You have some tools around, you have rags, you you change the oil on your lawnmower, on your car, uh, and and do some other work every now and then, some household stuff. And you have this pile of what used to be white rags laying on the floor and And, and they 're dark they 're oil stained they 've got grease they 've got grime all over them, and uh, one time you tried to put them in your wife 's um, uh, washing machine, and you were you will not do that again, uh, but uh, anyway, so now they 're just getting waiting to throw it out income oh, and to make it worse, you know there 's a logo on these shirts it 's the Nebraska huskers, you know. is a really nasty pile of rags. Okay. For those watching online living somewhere else, we live in Iowa. Nebraska's in there somewhere. Uh, so, so, so bad stuff, okay? In, c- in comparison to God's righteousness, that's like us. Our life is like those rags. And then claiming we have never been used, we're brand new silliness. Now from our side of things as we look at our lives, other people's lives, we don't look at them like that. We don't even find that kind of grossness. But from God's eyes, the scripture says, who you are, no matter the best you can possibly do, is just as bad and filthy and unwhite, unacceptable as those rags. And here's what we've earned for being that. The wages, our earnings for being sinners is death. And this means permanent death. Away from God. An everlasting death which you're aware of and experiencing but can't get out of. Because the bad news continues. Hell is real. A lot of people in today's society just really wrestle with that. Uh, It's become so um, accepted that everyone goes to heaven. Can we put up the hell is for real? Everyone goes to heaven when they die. Your dog goes to heaven when you die. Everyone goes to heaven when they die. Your grandparents went to heaven when they died. You hope... You'll go to heaven when you die. Scripture says this. Jesus is describing what God will say at the end of time, and throw that worthless servant outside. In the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and and this place uh, that... We, we call hell is defined in numerous passages of scripture. But here's one chapter where it's mentioned with some detail. So we don't know exactly what it's like, but it's being painted first here in the second scripture as being very unpleasant. It's a place where you will weep and cry and forever, oh by the way, then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, enter the eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. Really, 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 really nasty place. You think of, of, of living. It's called death, eternal death, but lit, experiencing eternal death from the standpoint that you're being burned by fire constantly. There's such pain and anguish, uh, whether emotions are involved, I don't know. Emotionally, uh, physically, uh, you're crying all the time. You can't stop. And there's this strange phenomenon going on with your mouth forever. So, there is a hell. All right. There's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a little bit of. Um, uncomfortableness when you start to talk about things like this. And, and and part of the problem is you know, out in society you don't have any problem hearing a, a celebrity on stage at an award ceremony in the end after they thanked everybody saying say, God bless you. No one gets all uh, up in arms about that too much. Um, uh, you get some... Um, Politician, <laughs> At the end of some st- God bless America, and you get uh, an athlete who's just uh, finished some great successful thing, and uh, they're being interviewed, and, and they say, "I want to first of all, I want to thank God for my success." Da da, da da And no one gets all that upset about that, but you mention Jesus, and things get sticky real quick. Why is that? Because Jesus says some things that are very exclusive. And in America, in today's culture, especially living where we live, we have nothing to do with anything that is exclusive. It shouldn't be that way, we say. But I want to show you what Jesus said. Um, when Lazarus died and his sisters were distraught that he died and that Jesus wasn't there to uh, heal him before he died. Jesus says, and he didn't say it quite like this, but essentially, I don't know what the big deal is. I am the resurrection. I am Life. When the Pharisees are all up in arms because Jesus is healing on the Sabbath, which was against their rules, the religious rules of the day, Jesus says, hey, I don't think you quite get it. I am Lord of the Sabbath. Elsewhere he says, if you love your mom and dad more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. Yeah, yeah, this is the Jesus you like, you know. The, the the Jesus who 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 is nice. The Jesus who takes care of widows and orphans and feeds people and and heals sick people and is compassionate in all of that. Next. He says later in that passage with the uh, In the midst of Lazarus' death, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes—and we'll talk about that word "believe"—believes in me. In me. In me. Will never die. Then he says, "Do you believe this?" It's a question to us as well. He says, "I am the way. I am the truth." I am the one and only way. Whoever comes to God, the Father, has to come through me. Okay? Can I, can I be really clear with you? All religions do not lead to God. I don't know what brings you to life, church. I don't know if it's, it's because, sorry about that, uh, most people are nice people here, You like the music. There's an atmosphere that attracts you. We talk about serving and helping other people, which of course Jesus did too. But the only reason we exist, I think I did something here, and the guys took off on me, um, is, is to declare the gospel. The gospel says Jesus and Jesus alone. Is God's provision for sin debt that you owe that you cannot pay, and there's no other way to be paid and satisfied without Jesus' death and resurrection. We're so happy to have people here who are questioning and, 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 and looking and discovering. Uh, but my great concern here is for those of us who've been here a while, in case, in case, in case somehow you missed the message, the only reason we exist, there are lots of social service agencies. There are lots of fine people doing fine things around, around this area. The one and only, re, only reason we exist is to share the good news about Jesus' death, which saves us from real sin. And, and, um, You know, one of the passages we looked at about when hell is real, it says hell was, uh, thank you, <laughs> he said, uh, depart from me, you who were cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil his angels. Here, here's the big objection. How could God send, he's a loving God, how could he send people to hell? When I suggest to you, God doesn't send anybody to hell. He prepared a hell, the eternal fire, for the devil and his angels. But He does give us the choice to go there if we want to. You say, well, that's not a choice to do things His way or that. Well, you're not the Maker. <laughs> And Wayne didn't write any of this. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you are a believer in Jesus, as you say you are, you have to accept these exclusive claims and the exclusivity of what being a Christian by biblical definition is. And if somehow that's escaped you and that's not been clear to you, man, oh man, I'm sorry. We're making it clear today so there's no ambiguity. If we're going to be effective at proclaiming the message, my gosh, we got to believe the message. There's lots of messages, lots of people hollering, all kinds of messages. If you haven't been grounded in Scripture, then you're very prone to believing, whichever one's screaming the loudest in your ear. And who knows? I mean, everyone knows in this environment where we live, you cannot talk about uh, Jesus being the only way. That, That you're bigoted. But if you're a Christian, it doesn't matter where you live. The message is the same, the Bible is the same, Jesus is the same, his standard is the same. The way to Jesus is the same. Salvation is the same. So good gravy! I'm taking a lot of time, aren't you, Wayne? I mean, talking about the bad news. The problem is we're so we're so besieged by information that is not true. And even if you've been a Christian and you and, and, and you felt a conviction and responded to that conviction, you can become very fuzzy about some of the claims that you thought, you were told at one time were true, uh, but so many other voices and persecution, belittlement. So, here's the bottom line though. You can only classify something as bad news if you know that there is good news. So, the passage that most of us know so well or many have heard anyway, says this. Jesus says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes, talk about that in a minute, in him shall not perish in hell, but have eternal life even in heaven apart when you leave this world. God did not send his son, here it is, into the world to condemn the world. That's not what he did. He came to show you just how bad things were, but to give you a way out. He came to save, that word save again. Salvation, save. We have to be saved from our sin. Ah. Yes, for God so loved the world that he, oh, next, next. Whoever believes in him is not condemned to hell, but whoever does not believe stands condemned to hell already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. But the good news, it's all there in the context, the bad news too, but the issue, the focus is on the good news. All right? It's really good news. If you live in society today and you're concerned about having to stand up for the, uh, the truth that there is bad news, um, y- you need to not do that in a sense of fear because you know the truth. There is good news. And it it's really, really, really good news in comparison to the alternative. So um, I want to I talk about something, um, something uh, this believe, believe, whoever believes we're talking about trust, really. Trust is belief that changes how you live. It's not a belief that, yeah, I I I believe the Grand Canyon exists. I've seen pictures. I believe that. Until you experience it, that, that's a completely different deal, my folks, friends. My gosh, uh, we're talking about a trust in something that changes the way you live. If you are headed um, to Des Moines. And uh, you're not going to Nebraska, I know that. If you're, but if you're going to Des Moines, and you're a half hour into your drive, and you look up and you see that just 30 miles away is Davenport, <laughs> you're headed the wrong direction. For those of you watching who are somewhere else, um, we live in Iowa. Those are utterly, completely different east from west directions. All right? So, so if you want to change direction, we, we, we use this as confession. If you, if you want to you confess your sins, if, you, uh, if you're convicted of your sins, you have to change direction. So that does not mean saying, oh, my gosh, I'm going the wrong way. I will no longer go this way at 70 miles an hour. I'm going to slow down to 55. You got to get off the interstate. You got to change directions and go the other way. That's what repent means. But you can do that. They put these great off-ramps and on-ramps on the interstate. You can just turn around go the right direction. The good news is, anyone in the world who believes in Jesus, who places their trust in, can also change around their life and go a different direction. But it is a different direction. Okay? So, I want, I, I, I want to just clarify something. You know, we always hear uh, from Revelation, I think it's 3.20. Uh, we always, what does it mean to... Um, be a Jesus follower. Uh, and we say, well, you know, you, you, you need to ask Jesus into your heart. You need to accept God. And ask Jesus in your heart um, is from uh, the passage where Jesus in Revelation is, or an angel is talking to the churches. And this is Laodicea specifically. And he says, You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other actually believers. Church, it's not about unbelievers. I'm about to spit you out. I've just about had enough. You need to change your ways and keep heading the direction we're heading. So, so that entering, inviting Jesus into your heart really isn't biblical. That's not what that passage is about. Although we often use that to explain to the kids and then they wonder, well, how did he get in there? You know, all that kind of stuff. So, but it's about trust. This is about trust. The prayer doesn't save you. The prayer just communicates out loud to God that you have placed your trust. Now, he already knows that, but you're announcing it, and to hell, that you placed your trust. The moment you believed, you passed over. Where was that? Well, no one saw that exactly, but you, at the moment in time, you believed. That's the issue. Did you believe in a way that would change your life? So, trust trust is belief that changes your life. By the way, uh, water baptism uh, doesn't save you. It's an announcement that you are saved. Taking communion does not make you right with God, does not save you. It celebrates what does save you. Your parents' faith, your grandparents' faith, nobody else's faith saves you, only your belief. But you can believe. To all who believe in the name of Jesus, we've been right, given the right to become children of God. So, uh, when I was a young pastor, um, uh, Christy and I started a church. Uh, really tough thing to do, by the way, especially when you're ignorant. But um, I didn't say dumb. Ignorant means uninstructed. Uh, well, I was dumb, too. Um, but, uh, and, and there was a lady who had been a part of uh, a church in that in the area previously, and she was known to be a really solid and faithful believer. But she was in a nursing home about a half hour away. So I would uh, generally about once a month go visit her, and um, uh, she would love to have me come because you could have a guest come and eat with you in the dining room with others. And when they found out I was a pastor was coming, then I was doing the devotions also in the times that I came. Anyway, so we had all kinds of discussions. And, and um, but the thing that just drove me nuts and just flabbergasted me was that Hazel had no confidence that when she died, she would go to heaven. She didn't feel saved. Can I tell you, salvation is not a feeling. You don't deserve it. You often feel like you don't because you don't. But it's yours because you believed. Watch this. John 5, 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word, believes him who sent me, has, now has eternal life, will not be judged and sent to hell later, certainty done, decided, and has crossed over from death to life. That's good news. It's really good news. It's fantastic news. You don't know any better news. Okay. So the question God is, wants to ask you today, do you believe these things? and just as we prepare to close I'd just like you to uh, bow your head and close your eyes not look around that would be great and I I want you to do this I want you to uh, ask God this question God what are you saying to me through this message in the other campuses online you can do the same thing God what are you saying to me in this message In a moment, we're going to uh, sing one final song like we always do, uh, but I want to say this. Maybe maybe you've placed your trust for the very first time today, or maybe you'll reestablish that trust. We want to know about that. You can come and tell uh, the people, the corners here, the prayer team, uh, when we're done, or you could take uh, the card and uh, uh, with, the, with the text, the 97,000 Life Church, tell us that. that you. We want to help you go forward, all right? We don't want you to left alone. We want to help you go forward, but... We have prayer teams on the sides. They're coming right now. And these are people who are regular people. We always want to pray for people. Where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, he's there. And and if you have a need of any sort, it would be silly to come to church and not get prayer for that need. Okay, so maybe you have a health need. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a marital need. Maybe it's a job need. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's something else going on in your life that you're perplexed about and you need prayer. The moment we stand up, you don't have to wait for the song to be, the moment we stand up, it's easy for you to get out and go. You can go right away and, and we want to pray for you. All right, Father, in Jesus' name, come and uh, draw all of those who need prayer in Jesus' name.